sometimes you just can't cope with the difficulties and the only way you can tune in to find your center there is no secret how to be you have to trust that's all you have to open your heart completely the conception I found for myself that I'm not me holding the sword, that sword holding myself was probably the best support I found. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Tokshikai Insight Look podcast. Today we're speaking with Elena Wessensei, originally from Russia and now living in England. Wessensei has been training for over three decades in Jodo, Iaido, Kendo, Yoga, and is a certified massage therapist. I was really looking forward to this conversation as the topic, how Budo helps you survive and thrive through personal loss, is so valuable to all of us, regardless of experience or rank. The interview blew away my expectations and I'm sure you'll take away some important lessons around community, parenting, leadership, and overcoming adversity. Please enjoy this inspiring conversation with Elena Westensen. Every person in my family somehow connected with the important time. For example, when my mom passed away, it was just two days before European Championship where I had to take my fourth down Jodo exam and some down Yaido exam. And later on, my brother passed away just day before seminar where I had to teach also. And, and my father the same. So actually, I don't mind. We can talk about individuals or Maybe start by describing your relationship with that person first, so we have a little background and who that person was and why they were important to you. Yeah. Every time when I'm trying to, to talk about this, it's still a high degree. And I really thought that everything settled down. I've never been ashamed or afraid of camera or interview, but my weakness point probably to be very emotional in a lot of ways and what i realized to looking at other people the more stronger they are the more weaker at some point it's like a tree if you're growing up the branches grows up the roots goes down so it's a puzzle of, of one picture and i think it's normal you can't be absolutely perfect for something or for some reasons or for somebody so this is experience and i like the challenges I, I personally, I do like challenges and, and I'm trying to go through without doubts, without hiding myself. I don't want to go through this challenging again. So you just have to be in front and be natural. Like I said before, I lost five members of the family and you can't choose this way. So you can't choose how to go through or you don't know what you're expecting in, in the future. And the difficulty is appearing, and you have to deal with that. But how you will deal with that, it depends on you. So, yeah, my mom passed away two days before the European Championship, and I didn't know before that she was ill. I realized it just months before. She didn't tell to anyone. She was a doctor. She was a really good doctor, and she was the head of the department. And when I was a child, she lived in Germany and was a head of the hospital in, in Germany. So she was really strong, really strong. And she couldn't express herself also. We had a difficulty between because she hided everything what she got inside. She couldn't express easily. And she didn't talk about her emotional stuff. When I realized that she's ill, it was too late. It was too late. And my grandmother passed away just months before my mom. 
but she was um, uh, about 90 already. It was kind of natural process. I grew up with her, with my grandmom, and she went through the Second World War, and she was an officer. She was really, really strong and strict with, with me when I was a child. She used to say to me, love with the eyes, when I became a mom. So she told me, don't touch your children too much. <laughs> don't hug them too much. And I was, I was surprised. I couldn't understand this idea. Why? Why do, you, why do you think like that? And she said, the most strongest love is love with the eyes. I was thinking about this conception all, all this time and still now. And I can't say that I'm following this conception. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I probably took this conception to my heart, but I can't say that I can't, I can't not touch my, my child, you know, I can't not touch the, the people. I think it's the most powerful instrument, tools, by touching people, it's natural. But what she suggested by the time, I think it's, it was difficult. But when I was a child, I always knew she loves me a lot. What I also realized that some people talking a lot, and doing less. The words are so beautiful, but the action not supportive. And with my grandparents, I realized the less words, the more truth. So she could just look at me and I already realized what, what it's about. It's kind of invisible dialogue. And sometimes her strict view is more harder than any strict words or punishment <laughs> I could punish myself <laughs> by understanding what I'm doing wrong and I was well behaved but sometimes I could run away I remember like I'd run away from the kindergarten she found me eventually after maybe six seven hours we came back home and she grabbed me <laughs> and punched me <laughs> once only once and she said, you'll remember this, very quietly, not shouting. And that's all. <laughs> and she told me later that if you have misunderstanding with people or with the child, you have to solve it right now. Don't hold it. Don't keep it. Don't aggravate it. You have to deal with it right now. And that's all. And love it after that. And you're doing this because you love it. So that was a really important lessons and still with me, express myself and deal with difficulties without running away. The time when my mom passed away, uh, with only months different compared with my grandmother, I also had a divorce. I was going through the, this process. It wasn't really helpful, <laughs> but I realized nothing I can change. <laughs> I just have to go through this. And I remember I stopped uh, teaching. I lived in Moscow by the time I stopped teaching and I went back to my mom's place. It's a different town, different city. And I spent about a month with her. My daughter also was with me and I didn't have any other support. So it was quite challenging time. Every day I had to find people who will look after my daughter and to go to the hospital. So it was like juggling between life and death because my daughter was so alive she was like a little monkey jumping all the time always happy singing songs 
and to see this beautiful, full of energy life, and to see another process, how my mom going to die. It's another completely different process, but also beautiful, extremely difficult, but beautiful, because it's probably the most important question, how we will go through this process, and you can't avoid it. So your mother was sick, but she was still taking care of your grandmother. Yeah, I realized she needed help, and I couldn't look after grandmother, so it just wasn't possible, and I just came for funeral, and months later, for another funeral. So during this time, you knew that the European Championships was coming out. You knew you had a couple gradings. How, yeah, how was it was that going through your head? <laughs> it was absolutely unbelievable, to be honest, because being on the funeral of my grandmother, I realized my mom ill and there is no way back. So this, this was only just one direction. And I realized, well, I remember a European... Uh, European team and Yaido and Jodo competition so I have to prepare for Jodo competition and Yaido competition at the same time I thought how I can deal with that and I thought okay just don't think just do what you have to do today <laughs> and I was teaching so this really small gap a very short period of time when I had to take decision to stop practicing to stop practicing and preparing for competition and grading to go back to take care of my mom but this short period I was preparing and we applied for European Championship and I thought if everything is fine fine it mean it's mean with the time because I realized I can't change anything I have to go through this process but another side we're still alive and we need to look to the future so I can't stop and not doing anything, not practicing. I still have, I'm, I'm in, in love with, with Budo, with my practice. And I realized, no, I want to go to European Championship and challenge myself. And maybe it will be the best help to go through the difficulties. So that's probably was the best choice to apply. And, and I had to pay also. And I realized, I was aware that if I couldn't go, that's me, no one will give me money back to re replace the financial situation also. But I took my risk. I thought, whatever happened, you know, if you believe in, I don't know, in ideas of the God or universe or something that you can't touch, you know, something. What I realized that if she will be alive, I won't go. I just trust to universe, to the God. Whatever has happened. Were you representing the Russian team at the time? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. lived in Russia, so it was 2000, 2009. I don't remember I was a captain of the team or not. I don't think so. We took competition on third um, level. Yeah, it was, it was a really good time. Yeah, just to, to go back to this point, uh, when I signed uh, for competition, I didn't know how I can manage Will I go or not? That means the team could lose the member. I didn't know it would be possible to replace or somehow it, we didn't discuss about this. I couldn't realize that this happened before European Championship, you know? It was, it was really strange, maybe crazy, maybe mad time and what's happened in my mind because I wanted to be 100% with my mom and do whatever is possible to do support her 
and I wanted 100% to go to the European Championship. It was such a difficult combination in my mind. And I thought, I'll trust to the universe and what is the best for me and what is the best for my mother. And this happened natural process. So, so you felt like the decision was made for you. You didn't have to have make a tough decision. She had passed away. So now you can 100% commit to yes. championship. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't selfish. No. But like I said before, you know, we, we are still alive and we have to be happy. And I'm sure that she wanted me to be happy also and to do what I really love to do. What was that experience like? What was? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have time to practice. <laughs> you see how I can manage, how I can, how I can prepare my mind. And the best way was to not think about past, not think about future. Just be now, right now and here and do what you can. So probably technically I was good enough for this level. The problem was I had to keep my emotional balance. But to be active and be with the friends, be busy with people and enjoy the practice, enjoy this atmosphere you passionately, the Buddha practice, it was the best treatment for me. I even had a fighting spirit in the other competition. I didn't know how it's, how it's happened. <laughs> so nearly a week, I've been away straight away after the funeral and came back, I was a completely different person because my friends supported me. And I was busy. I've been physically active. It was the best things to treat myself. Later on, to go through the workshops, like trauma healing, it was one of the point or conceptions to treat the trauma. You have to be physically active and the best way also to be surrounded by people you know, friends. So, and I think European Championship, Jordan Eider competitions was great by the time I was there. It just naturally happened, thank, thank you God. Or, so I didn't plan, I didn't expect it. I even expected to not go if I, I shall stay at home, so. Your grandmother, she was getting old, so it was kind of natural causes. Your mom was getting older too, but cancer is something you can't fight. Your brother's situation was... Yeah, when your parents passing away, probably from... I can't say it's more natural. It's probably only because they're older than you. So a few years later, uh, about five years later, my youngest brother, he was only 30, he passed away also, and also from cancer. And I couldn't help. I couldn't help. And, well, I did everything what, what was possible. And maybe it was too late. I don't know. It's difficult to analyze what I did wrong or what I didn't do enough for him. But it was the most traumatic, yeah period obviously because he's younger he's your brother and we had a quite a big gap between so nearly 13 years when he was a child i was about already 13 when he was born and i was like a mom for him for a short period of time <laughs> before i moved to university so when it's happened i was here in england already and he was such a strong boy, 
really strong character. He was physically very powerful also. He practiced lifting and arm wrestling and a lot of physical activities. He was a physical um, body personal instructor uh, in the fitness mm. gyms. So probably just two months before he passed away, he stopped communicating with me. I couldn't understand the reason. Maybe because he loved me so much, he didn't want it to bother me and make a lot of pain. I don't know. Um, I couldn't spend time with him also because it was school time period and I couldn't leave my daughter. So if to go there to spend time with him, you never know how long you have to be there. Half a year, year, because it's a protest. It's a long protest passing away. You don't know it will be tomorrow or maybe a year later. So I couldn't go. I was juggling again between my daughter and my brother. Emotionally, it was extremely difficult because you're blaming yourself that you can't do and you're like stuck in, in, the, in the box. Extremely difficult. So he stopped communicating by phone and didn't answer to any of my messages or phone calls. But I kept sending, I kept sending my support because I didn't know what, what else I can do. And he already been aware of what's going on. I also knew. What can you say? Don't worry, everything will be fine. No, <laughs> it's cruel. <laughs> he knew what's going on. You know, in this difficult situation, situation, I don't know what is the most difficult for people who are actually going through this process or for other people who is around. Because recently I spoke with my friend. She's also going through the same process. She has a cancer. And she said, oh, please don't be too sympathetic to me. Because I'm a fighter at this moment. I'm fighting. I know what's going on. And I'm using my strengths. And I feel really positive. And I saw the same with my mother and with my brother. But the people around, they feel useless. When your brother found out it was already too late? Or was this more of a, it gradually got worse? No, it wasn't too late. It was treatable. And he went through some protests. And after that, he said, that's enough. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to have any chemotherapy. And that's enough for me. And he stopped taking treatments. And no one can, could persuade him to do something else. So all of my efforts was just inappropriate. And all and of this you were trying to do while you were in England? You were just calling him? Yes, yeah, I called to my I called to my brother, I called to my father, supporting my father also, and trying to, to explain to my father that he called help to brother. So it was like going on and on and on like a circle. But it, he just didn't accept any help, any advice, nothing. And I saw him uh, in August when we went for holidays, and I realized it's too late. It was too late. <laughs> When I came back from Russia to England in September, school started. September and October, he passed away in October. And all this time, he didn't communicate with me. He didn't answer to my phone calls and messages, but I knew that he was reading my texts. And the only, only things I, uh, let's say, I could send to him, follow the light, be on the light side, that's all. Nothing you can advise at this moment. 
you can't say sleep well, everything will be fine. You can't say, oh, take these tablets, you'll be fine. You can't say anything is not treatable and he's not accepting anything. You just say, I love you and be on the light side. The day before he passed away, he sent me a text. And I realized he read every messages and he took these messages. You know, he accepted everything what I sent. My dad uh, was with him at this time in the hospital. So when, when the ambulance brought him to the hospital, he says, oh, please, can I stay? The window is lighter. It's much more lighter there. And the last hour, he asked my dad to switch off the light. He said, it's too bright here. He switched off the light and he kept talking my name because he was unconscious already. And he says, Elena, you know, it's so bright here. It's very light. I want to sleep. Mm-hmm. And he forgave everything to the people and to my dad also. And he passed away very peaceful, in a very peaceful way. And what I realized that he accepted my idea, my advice, I don't know how to say my message, probably the best way my message to follow the light side. That was day before I had to teach the Jodo seminar next day. So, so you had gotten the call from your dad that he had? Yeah we, were, yeah, we were in the restaurant in Italy my husband was invited to teach Yado seminar and I thought, can I go with you just, just for two days? So, and when people realize that I will be in Italy, uh, somebody wants to practice with me. And I said, oh, great. So we can practice Jod a little bit. But it was about 24, 25 people. It wasn't official seminar, but still, you know, when people are waiting for you, it's, it's a different responsibility. So it was day before, yeah. Next day I had to be positive and present myself and of course not show any any tears or difficulties or any personal issue or, yeah. Was there a, a way you prepared? Was it just like taking deep breaths every so often, taking time for yourself or you just, again, forgot everything about the past and the future and... What I realized, uh, I forgot to tell you, that going through the difficulties and through the funeral of my grandma and mom, I realized that it's not me holding a sword. If to talk about sword as a symbolic weapon, like a weapon, yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be sword, it might be a jaw, it might be another uh, weapon you're using for your practice. The sword was holding me. The weapon giving the best support. Your practice, your passion, your belief. Uh, yes, for me, the to go to the dojo uh, was the way to go to a completely different environment, a different world, where I can stay right now and here and forget about difficulties and be in love with what I really want to do. And the conception I found for myself that I'm not me holding the sword, 
that sword holding myself, it was probably the best support I found. <laughs> Honestly, we, we are human, we still, it's like wave going up and down. It was a, it was a gap, it was a short time to be um, strong, really strong. And, and also because it's responsibility, responsibility in front of people to not show your weakness, to be absolutely full of energy, present, full of presence and to teach, to share with people what you really like to do. But later, to be honest, later, I, I was, I was going down again, but not for the long time, but not for a long period of time. But yes, of course, we're still. Um, I couldn't stop myself to not thinking about family and brothers. So it was time like going up and down, up and down. But the more I practiced, the more easy it was. So it was another treatment for me, and another experience how to go through and to be not able to stuck for the long period of time when people got depressed and they couldn't find a reason how to, to be alive or to make a new target. So the main point about this conversation that you have to go through these difficulties, but you have to look forward to find a new reason, to find new targets and to be happy. It sounds like it is meant to be that the Yaro Joro events happen so closely after the loss and that they are exactly what you needed to go through that period. Because not only the people that support you, but the people that you had to support, which also gives you strength. And yes. then because Budo is this never ending journey. Yeah. Target, yeah, exactly. It's not something that you can feel like, okay, I achieved this and then I'm done. Yeah, exactly. And the one of the best support also I had during my um, European Championship when my mom passed away it was a letter from my teacher, from my other sensei. I received this letter through other sensei um, from Japan. And when I opened this letter, I couldn't expect it that it will be written in Russian. Obviously, my other sensei that doesn't know Russian language. But she knew what's going on. She supported all this time by messages and letters. And, and she prepared a letter. She spent the time to find the best words as a teacher, as a mom, and as a friend. It was really a heart-touching letter. So <laughs> it was one of the best. And I know that she can surprise me a lot. She always surprised me, actually. And it was probably the best example for me. Uh, I actually decided to become a mom because of where the to build. When I visited her in 2005, first time, I realized, wow, it's probably my dream to have a, such a high rung, to have a family, two children, be mom, be friend, be a sister, be wife, and be so enjoyable and, and happy and really, really happy person. Uh, and I thought it's what it should be. It's it's what how should how yeah. It, it was the best example for me. The other topic was uh, the Budo family. I don't know if you want to talk about your father, or we could just go straight into. 
Yeah, I can, go, I can talk quickly about father. It was, uh, yeah, my father passed away last year before six downgrading. Again, it's like somebody chose the right time. <laughs> or maybe not the right time, maybe the wrong time, but the right time to challenge myself again. And it was so suddenly, it was, I didn't know anything was going on. And I couldn't go there for other reasons, for documents. I, I couldn't go with my passport. My passport was at the office center. I waited for my passport. And I went to European Championship later instead of to go there for funeral and spend time with friends and people who supported him and to solve other problems. And I was preparing for sixth and grading, of course. I was training a lot, preparing, and but emotionally I wasn't balanced. Not not at all. I was too powerful. And I didn't pass. Looking back, I'm not regretting because I had the time to readjust, think about what's going on, and come down and practice again but slightly in a different way so it's not depend on the techniques you have to build your center and if you're not keeping your center your balance you can't go through the very narrow gap and the higher you're going achieving six down seven downs the more difficult it became so it should be natural everybody talking about everything say talking about it should be natural but what does it mean it's difficult to understand mm. so when life challenging you when life examining you you understand it what's what is natural how any challenging affecting your techniques how can the challenge affect your techniques so it was extremely difficult but I'm not regretting so i went back and went through the process I went to Japan in January to practice with Sensei and took another, second time, another challenge to pass. And this time I was much better, not just technically, I'm not talking about techniques, emotionally and I have to say spiritually or much better balanced also. I lost the idea I have to pass or I can't lose it. So I lost the idea to be a loser or winner. How did you come to that? It was just practicing, thinking. Did you get some no, advice? No, it, it just through these challenges because sometimes you just can't cope with the difficulties, and the only way you can tune in to find your center, not only physical center, it's difficult to describe. You started talking about Ueda Sensei a lot, and I don't know too much about her, but. It seems like you two have a pretty strong relationship. Very strong relationship. Yes, she's, she's my family. And <laughs> my daughter calling her like a Oba-chan, Oba-san. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like a grandmother. But actually, she's too young for grandmother. <laughs> How was that relationship built? Well, I met her in 2005, like I told you before. and came to Japan for Kendo demonstration. And I found my Japanese friends, Japanese teachers, to find my um, Jodo teacher myself. And I didn't know who I will meet. 
and told the woman or a man. I didn't know who will be there. So I just wanted to practice so much. I can say I'm in love with the Jodo. Absolutely. This is my number one love. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, luckily I met her and the relationship became stronger and stronger during this time. While it's something that you hope to have between sensei and student, it's still pretty rare to really, I think we were, I was talking to Peter about this too, like you have the deshi mm-hmm. versus a regular student, like a dojo member. When did you feel you were becoming more of a straight student rather than just someone else that's practicing with with a sensei? Quite soon. Uh, well, I, I can say straight away, probably. I just trust you straight away without any questions. And my intuition also, I felt from my heart, this is a person I want to practice with, I want to learn from. And that's all. It's so simple. It's really simple. Maybe for some people it's quite difficult to think about, the analyzing. For me it was really simple. It's what I feel. The answer is in your heart. I don't know how to, to explain this. And she had the same connection straight away. And she didn't hide it also. We became good friends, but in, in an appropriate relationship. Of course, student and teacher, but like a family relationship also. And Oedison says she's very strict, very strict, and at the same time, very kind, beautiful heart. Um, when she's strict, <laughs> it's better to say nothing <laughs> and just to listen to her and trust, absolutely trust what she says. So there is no, no secret how to be, you have to trust. That's all. You have to open your heart completely and just give up. <laughs> It's kind of like you were saying at the very beginning, these senseis have a way, have that dual nature too. They can be very kind, but they can also be very strict. So they, they grow both ways. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, she can hit you physically and it will be really painful. <laughs> you have to deal with that. You have to cope with that. But what she wants, she wants to, to be you better and she probably see your quality and what you can do, what you're able to do. So you have to just, you have to trust. I don't, I don't have to be strong there. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to be better. To try, you want to take your challenge. This is I found every day. So if I can't do it, it doesn't mean I can't do it tomorrow. So I'll try it again. I'll try it again until I'll get it. Not only physically, not only technical, not talking only about techniques, about some conceptions which affect in your techniques also. Without understanding what you're doing, it's difficult to achieve. So to be open, it's been to trust your teacher, to be relaxed, to be natural, to not hide your weakness, to be in front of your good and bad point of your character and to realize what you have to change. Probably the most important things I find for myself is to be flexible, to be lighter. Yeah. Mm. I think that's a great place to finish this and wrap it up. Thank you so much. This was amazing.
Thank you. Thank Sorry to be so emotional. <laughs> You're giving a great example for others that when there are things that are important to us, being human means to have emotions and to show them, and that creates the connection. Mm. Thank you. The, probably the main po point I want to say it's um, like conception to hold your sword and not you holding the weapons, the weapon holding you. This is, this is a trust between, connection between. I found this is my uh, conception. I don't, I don't find any other words. It's not religious, no. Yeah, it's probably just an idea and foundation maybe I found for myself which always, always supporting. It's so important in this time where everyone feels like they're losing control and they have to be the strong one, but you can let go when you go to the practice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for your patience also. <laughs> it wasn't oh, easy for me. <laughs> it wasn't easy, no. And of course we could talk about any other subjects, but everything will come to the same point, I think, to go through the difficulties, because whatever you do, you're still struggling with the challenges and how you will go through these challenges, it depends on you. For example, I do practice Jodo and Yaido, maybe other people practice something else, so everybody will find their passion. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much, and I'll thank you. see you on Monday. See you on Monday. Okay, thank you, Patrick. Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode because we have a lot more exciting interviews and resources to help you explore the world of martial arts. To get the latest on what we're up to at Tokushikai Canada, subscribe to our newsletter at subscribe.tokushikai.ca and find us on Facebook and Instagram at tokushikai.canada. Until next time, thanks for listening.